You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Take a pause from your to-do list with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You're not going to believe it. We're back. Did you miss us? I'm Jason Alexander, my friend over here. You don't say best friend anymore. You've, you've, you've now bastardized I'll tell you it. when you're going to be my best friend, when you wear the shirt. And I'm gonna, I will talk to our guest today about the misery you are causing me. Today. To, you don't even say the name of the show yet. And how are they going to know? Because you, you. <laughs> how are they going to know if they're just looking at you? you know, most they people, have no idea what we're doing. Most here. people. They're turning off right now. <laughs> they're turning off the show. So thank you. Good night, Welcome everybody. Welcome to Really Laurie, No Really. Our producer Laurie is nodding. He's nodding. <laughs> Welcome to Really No Really, the podcast where Peter and I explore things that make us say really. Really? No, no really. really. Ding. I don't have a bell. I have to do it. All right. Dr. Laura Santos is a professor of psychology and head of the Sullivan College. Wait, we haven't even talked Yale, about... Give me a chance. Give oh me a second. Oh, my God. Dr. Laurie Santos is a professor of psychology and head of Sullivan College at Yale University. And I saw that she teaches a course on happiness, which is the most popular course in the 300-year history of Yale. Really? No, no really. really. See what, what happened if you got past I you? see. So what you did is you repositioned it. Normally, we would lead with the really and then introduce the guest. There's you no normally the on the show. And then the there really. is no normally on I the show. I am miserable. So I'm I was, so glad you're here, Dr. Laurie. I can't begin so to tell you. So the deal is, I don't know even how you gauge happiness, but boy, are we in need of hearing how your lesson works. And by the way, how unhappy are the kids that waited in line and couldn't get in your class? But, you, well, that, but also just as a beginner, how did you... Get drawn to this subject? How did you become someone who could stand up and actually not only speak to it, but but teach about it? Yeah, well, it really started by seeing how bad my students were having things, right? I mean, these days, nationally, students are reporting more depression and anxiety than they right. ever have in generations, right? I mean, nationally right now, more than 40% of students say they're too depressed to function most days. Over 60% say that they feel overwhelmingly anxious. And more than one in 10 has seriously considered suicide in the last year, mm. right? This was what I was seeing on the ground. And when I saw that, I was like, man, we have to 
we educators have to do something. We can't pretend that students are just kind of getting through college when the stats are that bad. And so I kind of did like a quick, I'm a psychologist by training, so I did this sort of retraining in this field that's known as positive psychology, right? Like how can you kind of experience life with a little bit more flourishing? And so I said, yeah, I'll just, you know, slap together this new class. You know, I thought it's a new class on campus, so 30 kids or so would take it. Um, You can imagine my surprise when I walked into a quarter of the entire Yale student body who was like trying to get into this room to to take the class. We taught the class in a concert hall because that was the only spot other than the stadium where we could fit everyone who wanted to take the class. And so... Yeah, that was the story. It was just seeing the need, like, on college campuses to realize, like, students are struggling and we got to give them some, like, real strategies they can use to feel better. And so is that the overview of the can you Can you give us a sort of, you know, encapsulated overview of what the course is all about? I think the, the course starts with the premise that we get happiness wrong. All of us are seeking out happiness. All of us are putting work into it. But we're kind of going about it the wrong way. You know, we're seeking out money and fame and all these things we assume are going to bring us happiness. But in practice, if you look at happy people, that's not what they're going for. Happy people are changing their behaviors. They're trying to get more social. They're changing their mindsets. Like, they're doing the things that really matter for happiness. And the idea is if we can all just kind of shift our misconceptions a bit, if we can focus on the stuff that really matters for happiness, well, We'll all start feeling a lot better. Mm-hmm. Is this part of the like, positive psychology movement yep. in neuroscience? And I guess it was what Martin Seligman and, uh, th- that tried to find if there was a way to actually enact happiness in people. And, and, Peter, and, have you and, taken the course already? I mean, no, 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 <laughs> no. no. About, no but yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, this, this guy, Marty Seligman, who's a very famous psychologist, kind of realized that so many academic psychologists focus on the bad side. You know, we have these courses on abnormal psychology. You know, we focus on depression and so on. But we rarely ask the question, like, what moves us above baseline? You know, instead of, like, not being depressed, what can we do to flourish more, to have more purpose and more meaning? And so the whole class was kind of strategies that sort of emerged from that movement. We've got, like, 30 or 40 years of work in this field of positive psychology that has learned stuff that all of us can do to start feeling better. It's just we don't often tell people what those strategies are. So what comes up for me too is I wonder when people hear this, if they're in a bad socioeconomic position, where you go, yeah, this is great, except that's, this is for rich people who can, who can take time, and I've got to deal with making it through the day. I'm sure you have a variety of those students, even at Yale, even at Yale or, or that you're teaching online. Totally, and I think this, is, this honestly is one of the misconceptions we have about happiness, right? That you know, what we, what I need to change to feel happier is my circumstances. And it's true if you're in some, like, really terrible traumatic circumstances, obviously changing those are going to be better. But I think for a lot of us, it's not actually making more money if we have enough money to put food on our table and a roof over our head. It's not kind of changing our circumstances. You know, what the data shows, if you look out there at happy people, some happy people have pretty crappy circumstances. And there right. are folks out there that have fantastic circumstances, right? Like every hedonic pleasure you could imagine in life. And they kind of feel like their life doesn't have meaning. They're a little mm-hmm. bit complainy and miserable. And so I think we go about it thinking like, oh, I, I, have to, I have to fix things before I can focus on my mental health. I got to change my job or change my relationships mm. and so on. And sometimes we can change our behaviors and our mindset in the moment in like really simpler ways that will be way more effective. Well, you, t- you mentioned, you know, people who are, have a lot, uh, you know, that we would think of, of making them happy and yet they don't feel it. Is any part of that, Sort of like, you know, I'm I'm not a I'm not savvy about drug use or anything like that, but uh, you know, I'm always told about people would get a certain level of high and then that dose wouldn't work and they'd have to. Do people burn out on their own happiness? Yeah, totally. This is something that psychologists refer to as hedonic adaptation, which is just a fancy way of saying you get used to stuff. 
right? You know, you you hit the lottery and you make a million dollars. And, you know, for the first couple of weeks, that feels great. But then that's just your life. You're just a millionaire, you know, yeah. and it comes with all the problems with it. The good news is it happens in the reverse direction, too. You know, say something terrible happens, like you lose your job, like, you know, week number one, that feels awful. But then, you know, week number two, you kind of just get used to it, right? And so this is something we forget when we're planning our future is that we can kind of adapt to our own happiness. It's like a high that you get from heroin, but it's the high that you get from all good things in life, you know, making some money or having a new relationship. But we forget that when we're planning. And that means as soon as we kind of hit that adaptation, as soon as we get used to stuff, we think like, oh, no, no, I just need more. I need the next carrot or the next accolade or the next million or whatever. But you're going to get used to that too. In talking to you and the fact that this is Harvard and it's 300 years, people yeah. are just, are yeah. just, are just yeah, I mean, excuse me, ooh. No, no, no. Don't poo poo. My my son is a graduate of your school. He would be apoplectic right now. His <laughs> happiness would be gone. Google him. Look up what, what was tuition three hundred years ago at Yale. I want to know. Where, where, yeah. And did, and did, and did family members get other people in? But my my question about today is, as I'm looking at him, thinking, well, hold on a second. A growing up, and I had mentioned this in a in a, one of the other podcasts. My dad never asked me if I'm happy, fulfilled, whatever. Is part of this this huge number of unhappiness in reporting that people feel more comfortable reporting it now, number one. And number two, we've had, and I don't know the number of years because it's passed me by pretty quickly, where we stopped doing talk therapy. It used to be when I was growing up, if somebody had a problem, they went to a psychiatrist, psychologist, and they had therapy and the, whatever. And the, now it's, you go and the guy or the girl gives you, the doctor gives you medication and potentially more medication and keeps you medicated. And you're not really addressing a lot of the underlying issues. Uh, it's like weight loss. If you're not addressing the underlying issues and you're doing the weight loss stuff, you, you may gain the weight back because you haven't done it. Is that all add in yeah, to, I mean, to I make that number it, so big today? I mean, I think we, we know a little bit about the stigma part, right? And, and, and one, of the, one of the reasons we know that is that, unfortunately, these numbers have gone up significantly and fast. So that number about depression I was quoting, about more than 40% report being too depressed right. to function, that number has doubled since 2009, which I don't know about you all, but it feels like 2009 was like yesterday to me. I yeah. look at the music right. from 2009. Sure, it might right. as well be, you know, what's in the top 40 <laughs> today, right? And, and I think that tells us something about stigma. Like the stigma, you know, maybe in the 1950s it was more, you know, stigma to talk about depression and we didn't use words like that but like we were using the same concepts in 2009 like we shouldn't see it right. doubling in that time right um and then i think in terms of the treatment stuff yeah i mean i think i think part of it is that we we forget that there are things that we can change oftentimes in our behavior and our mindset you know that that do the same work as a lot of these therapies out there you know there's some evidence for example that you know if you just move your body you know get a half hour of cardio a day that can be as effective as like you know taking a prescription for you know a depression medication or something again not in every case and there's some important nuance right. there but but i think that we we often forget that these things are in our control to change if we start changing our behaviors and our thought patterns i mean this is what a lot of talk therapy you know cognitive behavioral therapy is about right is like change your behavior you know change your thought patterns and you will see some traction. The cool thing is that their strategies, you know, you don't necessarily have to be in therapy to start employing these practices. You can think about ways you can change those things ahead of time. So would I be correct in saying, and is there, and do you break it down this way or do you, do you um, look for treatment or response? I, I, you know, I think the average person thinks of happiness as an emotion, but I, you know, I was thinking to myself, is happiness emotional or is it 
chemical? Is it physical? Is it spiritual? It, it, it seems like it has many, many components. And I know many people who are struggling with depression and, and blocks to their happiness that seem to be primarily treating it only chemically. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we, we could have a very long podcast and even longer class just about the definition of happiness and what goes into it. I mean, I think it, it's all of the above. But social scientists often define it as having these kind of, you know, two components that are made up of all these parts, right? What One component is the emotional part. It's, it's the answer to the question, you know, how are you feeling today? It's the sum total of your positive emotions minus your negative emotions. And if that ratio is pretty good, if you got, you know, decent amount of joy and laughter to sadness, frustration, and so on, you know, we're probably going to say you're happy. It's not to say you want no negative emotion. I think this is a different misconception. You know, we, we need negative emotion in our lives. Those are emo important signals for flourishing. But you want the ratio to be decent. That's kind of part one, that sort of being happy in your life. But there's also a sense that, that happiness requires being happy with your life. You got to think your life is going well. And so that's the sort of answer to the question, all things considered, you know, how satisfied are you with your life? And I think what social scientists are trying to do is they're trying to maximize both of those. They're trying to maximize, you know, the positive emotion relative to negative emotion that you have in your life and how you think your life is going. You know, and, and sometimes deficits with those are really, you know, truly chemical deficits. I think this is one of the reasons exercise works is that it's like, you know, it's changing our body's physiology, right? Yeah. Um, but sometimes they really are, they really can be fixed by changing your thought patterns. There are changes you can make to your thought patterns to get more positive emotion and, and to kind of feel like your life has more meaning too. You know, you know I got to tell you, and I didn't expect this, but I've struggled with that my whole life. I don't talk about it because I don't know how to frame it. I should be happy. My circumstance is great. I have great friends. I'm doing stuff. But yet there's a sadness that is inherent when I wake mm -hmm. up that I have to work through. Totally. And there's so many people out there you would think, why are they depressed? And I can't explain it. But man, it, oh, it, it, it overwhelmed me. And even talking about it now, I thought, hey, this is a po comedy podcast and it's smart. We're going to do this. I feel a bit emotional only because it's, it's a burden. But you don't want to yeah. talk about it because you don't want to burden other people. And it, you don't, it seems narcissistic. What is somebody going to say? What is somebody going to say back to you? And what's your friend going to say back? Oh, it's okay. Some perfunctory little, and, but man, it just, I did, it surprised me. Um, yeah. That was. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's one of the reasons so many people, you know, that class really went viral on campus, but it kind of went viral off campus. There were all these news articles about, oh my gosh, this Yale class with thousands of students. And I think it's the same thing. It's like, these are 19-year-old kids who got into Yale, smart as Jason's, you know, kid. <laughs> like, you know, like they, they have everything <laughs> they made, right? They like, like how just, are yeah. they depressed yeah. and anxious, right? And so I think we forget that, again, our circumstances don't matter. These are issues that all of us face. But, but with the sadness and the depression, I think, you know, there, there's one thing to mention, which is, I think we get off track and we assume that, you know, a happy life, a flourishing life has to include like no depression at all, right? Like no sadness at all, no frustration at all. And that's that's just false, right? Like a flourishing life requires going after your goals. It requires paying attention to the world around you. And that just means that necessarily you're going to experience some negative emotions. Those nor emotions are like normative, right? They're supposed to be there. Sometimes you're supposed to be pissed or you're <laughs> supposed to be frustrated. You're supposed to be scared. And I think we, we also... In, in our quest for happiness, have to make sure that like those moments experiencing a little sadness at the human condition, that's that's real. Like you want that in life. That's a, an appropriate normative signal. And so I think we have to be careful not to push away all negative emotions or first of all, we're going to miss like, you know, the deep parts of human nature and comedy and tragedy and all this stuff. But, but we're also not going to be able to use those emotions as appropriate signals, right? They're signals, negative emotions are signals that we should be taking different actions and behaving in different ways. But some days you're, uh, you're incapacitating and you want to lie. I mean, I remember it, 
points in my life where I would misrepresent what I was doing or tell people, totally. oh, I'm out riding with somebody. And I wasn't, I was driving around and because and, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. But I didn't want to come home and face that and say, did you ever go through anything like that, Jay, where you were that down? I, I don't, you know, I tend, what, what distances me sometimes from my own happiness is not so much depression as displaced anxiety, this mm -hmm. feeling of something is wrong or a memory of something that I was that I did or said or that I that I felt was shameful to me or hurtful to someone else, and it and it plays on me. So mine is more fear generated rather than or anxiety. Oh, I got that too, though, but I have that. Depression. I, have, I have the full poo poo platter. Yeah. I got. It. I don't. I don't easily get depressed. I I, I get Which anxious. I but Lori, to to what Peter was talking about, you know, like sharing that. I I feel like most people who have partners and certainly parents feel some obligation to be a source of the happiness of their partner or their child. I know I'm, I, I'm very guilty of that, especially with my children. I keep thinking I will fix it. I will make it better. I will somehow be a beacon that calls you towards your happiness, but that's not real or, or, or do we have some responsibility there or, or can someone else make someone else happy on a prolonged way? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think we we have some responsibility, right? We do affect each other's happiness, but I think we often get that responsibility wrong. I think we assume like, oh, I have to fix things. You know, if it's another person that's feeling sad or depressed or anxious, like our child or something, we might think, oh, I, I need to fix that, right? I need to figure out how to fix it. And in fact, if you look at what the research shows, the research shows that you'd probably have more an, of an impact on that other person's happiness if you focused on your own happiness. You know, if you stop being anxious about how anxious your kids were, right? Like that's kind of how emotional contagion works. We kind of have to put our own oxygen mask on before we, you know, help other people. But when it comes to worrying about whether or not our own unhappiness, our own anxiety and depression is negatively affecting other people, I think this is a spot where, where we do get it wrong, especially if we're depressed and we're kind of seeing everything through the kind of, you know, depression glasses, right? We assume like, oh, is this is going to be a burden on somebody else. They're not going to want to hear this. It's going to make them feel bad. You know, I'm not worth it. But, but in practice, like often if you ask someone for help, it makes the other person feel like pretty good. Like people get a real happiness boost from helping others. So right. by kind of asking for help, you kind of can give that happiness boost to other people. But beyond that, I think we have a misconception about how people will think, you know, especially maybe friends or people we don't know as well as our spouse. We think like, you know, if I complain to them and reveal my mental health issues, you know, they're going to think I'm, I'm a total mess or they're not going to want to hang out with me. But, but in practice, researchers have looked at this, like, what really happens when you disclose this stuff? And they find this effect that they call the beautiful mess effect, that, like, people around you like it when you disclose your vulnerabilities, even if that includes, like, some of your mental health issues. It's kind of beautiful to see someone's messiness because you think, oh, that's so cool that they're close enough to me that they shared that. Or, oh, now I, I actually get to help them or I get to do something to, like, kind of make this better. And that will make me, you know, the person who's helping feel good. And so I think that remembering this beautiful mess effect has helped me when I'm in a bad place of saying like, oh, there's this friend or maybe I don't know them very well to kind of be really vulnerable about what's happening with me right now. You know, maybe they don't like me, but actually I'm helping myself and I'm helping that other person. And, and they're, I'm probably misconstruing like how they're going to feel about it. They're, they're not going to think it's as awkward as I think they're going to think about this situation. And give them a chance, but I'm sure there's a time limit and a repetitiveness to it. It's like every, if you're doing it every day, your friends have had enough. Then they feel responsible for your happiness and you fall into a, a pattern. Yeah, and I think that's that's a spot where we need to like 
think about other hacks that we can use to, you know, some of the stuff we cover in the course. You Give know? us some tips. So what are some of the tips that really resonate? Totally. That you and found I, out in doing the course with your students. One of the fastest ones is really, you know, use, using the power that our body has over our minds, right? Like heads connected to bodies. Like we forget that. But it means if you can hack your body, you can often hack how you're feeling. You know, we mentioned one way, which is through exercise. But, but another way is just to ground yourself, especially this is true if you're kind of experiencing what Jason was talked about, but the fear and the anxiety kind of running rampant and the regret running rampant. One way you can kind of stop that in its tracks is just to get into your senses. Um, there's this sort of five senses technique where you just stop and say, okay, what are five things I see right now? Okay, you know, list them out. Four things I can hear. Um, three things I can touch two things I can taste and one thing I can smell, right? It sounds so stupid, this technique, but as you get into it, like, what, two things I can taste? Like, I don't know, my, my breath, maybe like you know, some crap that's in my teeth from before. But like, you're not, you're not worrying about whatever it was anymore, right? You're just grounding yourself in your senses. And, you know, it, it's silly, but it takes like five minutes. And now all of a sudden, you just, you just killed that little ruminative cycle, you know, oh. in its tracks, which is great. Another stupid one, but like, you know, tops into your high school biology class is, taking a deep breath. Like it sounds so pedantic of like when you're, you know, feeling anxious or feeling depressed to like take a deep breath. But functionally what that's doing is it's hacking the, the normal response we have, which is our fight or flight system is going crazy. This is what, you know, it's called our, our sympathetic nervous system is like kind of freaking out. But when you take a deep breath, like you can't, you can't be in fight or flight mode like some tiger is chasing you anymore because you're breathing too slowly. So you actually turn on the body's opposite system, your parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest system. You're like literally switching which system in your body is reacting just through taking a couple deep breaths. Um, you know, so, so that's kind of hacking your body. But a different one is really hacking your thought patterns. And I think this is one of the like biggest insights of cognitive behavior therapy is that even though it feels like we're our thoughts, we can control them. Like if you're on a like constant loop of beating yourself up all the time and talking to yourself badly, you can nip that drill instructor mode in the bud, right? You can just say, okay, fine. Thank you for telling me all these awful things about myself, but okay, never mind. I'm just not going to listen to them. Or you can give that evil voice a kind of silly name. I, I tell my students, these days, students have a lot of memes about Karen. They just really hate this name, Karen. Yeah. Or they make fun of Karen, you know? And so I say, just call it Karen. Like, okay, Karen, yeah, I guess I'm sucking again and I'm not studying enough. Like, it just is this momentary break where you realize that's not me. It's not reality. It's just some, you know, stupid Karen self-critical voice. Yeah. And so those are like hacks we can do to our bodies and our thought patterns that, that work fast. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater. And this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular's single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Take a pause from your to-do list with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Today, more than ever, we're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? 
Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. And who has the time? HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your family's insurance and reviews your medical claims as they come in from your healthcare providers. Then, HealthLock's technology flags and alerts you to any errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and frauds to help you and your family save. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from selected past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save more than $130 million. Saving on medical bills starts with knowing where to look, and HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden medical bill errors. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. I have uh, people I'm very close to who are going through some cognitive behavioral therapy right now. And I loved an image that they shared where it's not about eliminating the thing that is plaguing you. It's not about eliminating the thing that's torturing you. They said, pretend it's in the theater. Mm-hmm. Right now it's sitting in the front row and that's all you see. He goes, it's not going to exit the theater, but put it in the back row. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Put yeah. it in the back. And I love that image. So I want to circle back to something I, that I think I heard you say, because if you did, I, I'm fascinated by it. I think you said we're sometimes uh, a little stymied about the idea of sharing our happiness or exampling our happiness. And, and I wonder about that because... You know, I have a lot of friends who have not been as fortunate in life as I have been. I'm very aware of that. And when things are going well, I'm a little gun shy about sharing how how happy I am that, you know, I, I, sometimes I've earned it, but sometimes it's just self-perpetuating because that's how my life has gone. And I I feel like it's narcissistic or or um, gloating or, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm going to make them feel bad if I share with people I care about the things that are making me happy, is there anything to that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's actually an effect that's been studied by this Harvard psychologist, Dan Gilbert, um, about extraordinary experiences. We all think like, oh my gosh, I would love to be as famous as Jason Alexander. I would love to go to the moon. I would love to make, you know, like $10 billion or something. But when people actually have those extraordinary experiences happen, it ends up being kind of lonely. Right. There are very few people that will, you know, you can kind of share this as like, hey, how cool it was. Like I was on Seinfeld. I get this podcast now or like how cool it is. And I'm so rich or got to go to the moon. And that means that in an odd way, the best circumstances we can imagine for ourselves wind up making us feel a little bit isolated. Right. (laughs) They wind up making us feel a little bit lonely because like other people can't relate. But that said, I think we also forget that, you know, we can share those kinds of experiences with other people, right? If we take a moment to try to share those things, you know, we don't feel as jerky as we think. Um, there, there's kind of one caveat to this, which is like people don't like it as much when you kind of gloat and share about your material possessions. Like that, right. like my car is so cool or like, you know, look at like my new right. like shoes or something. People don't care. But if you try to share your extraordinary experiences, that's actually fun for people because they can kind of engage with them a little bit socially. They can imagine imagine what it might be like to have them. They might have questions and so on. And so extraordinary experiences, we, you know, we put them, you know, up in this like, oh, man, if only I could do X, Y, and Z might not be as good as we think because it might isolate us. But mm-hmm. find ways to share them and share them a little bit more than you think, because people will often resonate, you know, better than you expect them to. People will people will find something in your experience that they can relate to more than you expect. 
comedian Drew Michaels says, when people ask him about depression, he says, depression equals seeing things for what they really are. Because um, he goes, the, really? You asked me what's wrong. Do you not Google the news? Do you, do you not see what's going on in the world? It's a mess. How do you tell people with real world, real world stuff that, that are, especially older people, I mean, so many people who are obsessed, they're sitting home, they're isolated, especially with COVID. They're watching CNN or Fox all day, all day yeah. long on a loop, and they're fed whatever information that network, that channel, that streaming service is giving all day long, and it's impacting them. And it's designed to agitate. And it's designed right. to agitate it's because engagement, anger is better right. than yeah. engagement. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. What, do you, yeah. what do you say? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, this is where I think we need to get away from this idea of toxic positivity, right? Like true human flourishing doesn't mean that we're some Pollyanna pretending everything's perfect and unicorns and rainbows. Like it requires looking at what's really out there. And, and yeah, you know, when you look at what's really out there, it's scary. You know, political polarization, the economy falling apart, climate change, you know, pick your pick your terrible thing that's right. happening in the world. But, you know, there's there's looking at that and just feeling so anxious that you can't do anything and not having strategies to do well. And there's looking at that and saying, yeah, you know, the world has some bad stuff. This, this is, these are normative emotions to feel a little scared, a little angry. You know, what can I do to allow those emotions? What can I do to navigate them? Take a deep breath. Get back in my senses, right? And there's evidence that that strategy doesn't just make us feel good. It's kind of what we need if we're going to solve a lot of these yucky problems about the world, too. Um, there's evidence um, from Georgetown University that really looks at, like, okay, who are the people that are trying to fix this stuff? You know, who's going out to a social justice protest or who's trying to, like, you know, engage in some sort of climate action, you know, installing solar panels or going to a protest or something? Like, who's doing the stuff that's going to fix this? And what you find is, is it's the people who have the most positive emotion ahead of time who are feeling most mentally healthy ahead of time, right? Which kind of makes sense, right? If you're so anxious about the climate, you know, you're so anxious you're that you can't actually get your act yep. together to, like, install right. your solar panels. And and I love this finding because it suggests it's not that we should ignore the problems of the world, right? If we really want to solve them, which, you know, hopefully we do, especially my Yale students who are these smart young people that, you know, all these problems are going to fall to, like, you actually have to figure out ways that you can deal with your own mental health and, and develop strategies to kind of feel better because that's going to be what causes you to take action to fix this stuff. So, so it's not that we should ignore this stuff. We, sh we should look at it head on, use the strategies we use to kind of navigate real normative, you know, reasonable negative emotions, and then do the stuff we need to do to feel better so we can take action, you know, to fix all this stuff. You know, talking about fixing, I, I'm looking at quotes from colleagues of yours. That I was just looking up uh, what people have had to say about the pursuit of happiness. And there were two, they're almost saying the same thing. One of, one of your colleagues said, happiness isn't something you feel, it's something you do. Another one said, I advocate for the pursuit of a meaningful life rather than chasing happiness. One of the things I always talk to my, my sons about, if you spend a little less time, and, and I tell this to myself as well, a little less time concerned about, am I happy? Or what could I do to be happier? I go, you know what? You got, you're not worried about your survival today. How about go out and do one thing for somebody else and then mm -hmm. check in with your happiness meter? Totally. Um, and and I think this is something we, we in our, our culture gets wrong, right? There's so much talk these days about like self-care. You know, people are like, oh, do you talk about self-care in your class? Yeah. And, you know, an idea of treat yourself, right? You know, parks and recreation kind of got us <laughs> on the wrong path because we think that happiness is all about me, me, me. But if you look at happy people, what you find is happy people 
are doing stuff for other people, controlled for income, happy people are giving more of their money away than not yeah. so happy people, right? So, so I think we get this idea of self-care wrong. Like a really easy hack for our own self-happiness is to do something nice for other people to kind of get out of our headspace. And, you know, if people are listening right now and feeling, you know, depressed or kind of the, this some of the n- nasty stuff we talked about is resonating, pick one thing you can do for somebody else. Text a friend, you know, donate five bucks to charity if you've got free five bucks, right? Just something yeah. you can do to get out of your own headspace and become a little bit more other oriented, you know, the data suggests that that will instantly start to make you feel better. And it'll create a positive feedback loop, hopefully, where you're doing more stuff for other people and starting to feel better and better. Um, and then that's just great for everybody. All right. So this is this is a, a, a somewhat personal question I have to ask you, and I'm self-reflecting. So as, as someone who is recognizable, generally when I'm out in public, the people that want to approach me are because there is at least a perceived understanding that we've had a shared experience that they've enjoyed and they're appreciative and they want to share their experience of something I've done with me. I cannot have a bad day. I can't go, Hey, not right now. All right. I got something on my mind. You are now equated as being the guru of happiness. Yes. Can you have a bad day publicly? <laughs> yes, it's not as easy. I mean, luckily, I'm not as recognizable as you are, Jason. Yeah, but still, but, um, you were giving a finger to somebody in the parking lot. It's not going to yeah, be a good yeah. visual. Right. No, there, there definitely is. are these moments where, you know, I'll be in my residential college courtyard, and I'll be, like, you know, storming through and get an annoying email, and I'm walking, and, you know, one of my students will be like, Hi, Professor Santos. And you know, they'll, you know, they'll say like, you didn't notice me because you were on your phone. You're not supposed to do that. So I get called out a lot when I'm not following these practices. That's great. Yeah. And, and that's been great, right? Because it means like I kind of have to practice what I preach, right? And so so it's not so much that I, I shouldn't have bad days, but I do have a lot of pressure to follow this stuff. As you said, happy, I love that quote that happiness isn't you know, what we're feeling, it's what we're doing. And that means that like, yeah. even I, if I'm having a bad day, I know there are hacks I can do to behave differently, right? And and that's power. You know, we, we're not all necessarily born feeling happy. You know, I think what Peter was saying is, is right. You know, some of us are just much, we're prone to be depressed. We're prone to be a little anxious, but there are things that all of us can do to kind of hack that if we know the right strategies. Well, I just wish that you could replicate your course and get it into elementary and middle school education because it seems if, if we're waiting till college age to begin to look at these practices, we've probably waited far too long, especially nowadays. I don't think this was actually a plug, but we actually have just um, put a version of our class online for free for high school students. We refilmed oh, it great. in front of a group of high school students. Brilliant. Uh, it's called Science of Wellbeing for Teens. You can go on Coursera.org or YouTube and find it. And, you know, if you have a teenager in your life that you're worried about, um, have them learn these strategies early. Then I won't have to teach it at Yale. I can teach oh, them. I love are, you, that. are you preparing like that. even happier or being the happiest? Are there new books coming out? You thought you were happy before. Wait yeah. until you're now. Have you heard of ecstasy? Not that kind. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, what's the next course? How do you top this? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think we go, you know, younger and younger. We're starting up a new partnership with Sesame Street where we're trying to teach these strategies you know, to little kids. And I think you might say like, oh my gosh, we got to, you know, share these strategies with little kids. But like, you know, honestly, I wish as a three-year-old, I had learned the strategy of like, when I'm feeling frustrated, take a deep breath. Or when I'm feeling really anxious, like, oh, what do I see? Like, these are things we can be teaching kids. I just got to wrap my head around 
getting up and watching Ernie go, I'm so down. I am so down today. Snuffleupagus. So you're Oscar the Grouch. Hey, Snuffleupagus is such an ass. It's hey. like, what are you doing? Oh, Every- oh sorry, Bert. Let's do something nice for someone else. Well, I'm depressed because of you. I can't even own my own place. I have to share rent. It's been 38 years. I've been on TV. I can't have my own place. I don't have a car. I don't even have opposable thumbs. And Sesame Street hasn't given me a raise in 42 years. <laughs> and Big right. Bird's getting more. I looked right. at the paycheck. Big Bird is right. more money Absolutely. than me. And what's he doing? Well, he's got one arm in the air. The, the, the and Oscar has to live in a trash can in 35 right. years. What's, yeah. what's going on here? You so got it relatively. That's easy. wonderful. Lots of success because we need it. We need it. To be successful. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for your work. And please, yes, spread it earlier, younger, and everywhere. It's, it's. Thank you. Thanks for doing Dr. what you're Mark doing. Santos, thank you so much. Pleasure. And much happiness to you. Are you happy, by the way? We didn't even ask you that. Were you, are you really on a scale of one to 10? You're about I'm a one, eight? I, I, I'm like, I'm like about a seven, eight out of 10. And, and I used to be more like a six out of 10. So. Well, did you start before the interview at a 10 and we took you to a 6 or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's no, not this, saying. This, is, this, this wonderful social connection has only been pleasant. It's only oh. been popping me up. And Thank you know, you. if Peter, talk about if you do things for others, it raises your happiness. If you would just wear the shirt. If you would just wear the shirt. I would be. I do things for people. I would be. I would be. I'll wear the shirt. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Take a pause from your to-do list with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Today, more than ever, we're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. And who has the time? HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your family's insurance and reviews your medical claims as they come in from your healthcare providers. Then HealthLock's technology flags and alerts you to any errors like overbilling, wrong codes and frauds to help you and your family save. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from selected past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save more than $130 million. Saving on medical bills starts with knowing where to look, and HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden medical bill errors. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's healthlock.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Fascinating. Fascinating. I'm happier just from chatting with her. You know what? I want you to be my joy contributor. I want you to be my beautiful mess. <laughs> <laughs> Listening now or watching now, how much do you think this has moved the cheese for me and Jason? <laughs> We're, you know what? We are pretty happy and we joke about it. But yeah, I do. you know that I deal with depression all the time. I sure. have to fight through it and we talk. And we're honest about it. We're close enough that we talk about. I think that's 
and I, I say this not to be syrupy and cause people to get diabetes, but one of the nice things when you say best friends is we've been through just about everything, to, literally just about everything together. Birth, death, illnesses, yeah. stuff, and and unconditionally always, it's it's that. So this is- Well, you and I uh, have that, that, you know, that very rare relationship where I actually can be completely who I am with you. I can tell you about the things that scare me, that elate me, that I that would seem boastful if I talked to anybody else about. Um, and it, you know, this show is supposed to be funny and ha ha and jokes. And I'm thinking, do we close with funny? Where do we go? And I thought this is more important than that, in the sense that so many people yeah. are suffering. So many people. And I, Jay, I even talk. Just bring it up now. I could lose it again. I, my, mm -hmm. And I'm trying not to let my wife see it. And she looks at me and says, "What?" And I said. I hold it in. I don't, I don't talk about that a lot yeah. because I got to kind of got to keep it in to be there for other people and that stuff. But I didn't realize how it would blind, it just blindsided me, man, that it was, that the pain is out there that people experience. And you and I try and do a lot of stuff, a lot of charity stuff and help people because you can, and it's not that hard, but man, a lot of people are hurting. And I didn't realize, I didn't realize to the extent that I was in a situation at that, at that moment. But it's the same thing with you. I can tell you anything. We can share anything, and then the magic is that we get to share. To, to and you know, the together. other thing I do want to say to to our audience, our listeners, you know, and I'll, I'll use myself as an example, although I'm I'm sure I'm not the best example. But you know, we 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 are aware of people when we imagine them some sort of idealized life. You know, they've got to be happy. They've got A, B, C, D, E, and F going. And I know lots of people who are very successful. Success and happiness are not equivalent. Uh, and in fact, you know, I, I think you you uh, you did some research about some of the happiest people in the world are are it's upside it's they, upside they, yes, they yes. just don't have well very you know much, what the world's you know? happiest guy is a seventy six year old Buddhist uh, Laurie we should go after him seventy six year old Buddhist monk who is and and everybody isn't going how do you know he's the happiest the name is Matau Ricard he got a PhD in molecular genetics he changed his path from science to become a Buddhist monk they attached two hundred fifty six sensors to his skull and discovered his brain produced gamma waves linked to consciousness, attention, learning, and memory while meditating at levels they had never seen before. And there's a thing about him on Netflix. You can watch it. My dad always used to say, I'd see a, a Rolls Royce drive by. There's more of a wealth thing. And I'd say, oh God, I want, I, want, I want to be that guy. And he goes, the car behind him might be there to repossess that Rolls Royce. Right. So don't wish right. that you're anybody else. The same with happiness. And I remember my mom saying, God rest her. My mother's big thing in, in, was always to me about live a life of service. You know, she was a nurse and nurse educator all her life. And she really wanted me to just live a life of service. And I, and I find the more and more that I try and do that and preach that and be a part of that, it is true. When you end your day going, I don't know if I am a better person today, but I'm, I made somebody good else's. moments for somebody else or a couple of other people. And you go, I, I've earned my rest tonight. Uh, and and it, and then the gratitude of it all. I, the thing I tell my wife Dana almost every night, we get into bed. I'm I'm tired, you know. It's that kind of it's a good tired, and I get into bed and I go, I can't believe I get to lie down with you at night in a house that feels safe and secure in a warm, comfortable bed. Not everybody has this. This is great. This is really great. God, I should and start saying that because I, I get the and bed. then I think about you and me and. And then I get anxious again. Yeah, and but, I get into bed and I say, I don't, we need a bed. We need a new bed. Like Jay, Jason, Jason has a Why gratitude bed. Why the ceiling that guy? And you know what else? You know what else? I realize, even with all of this, the lesson still, I'm still resisting. 
I'll be happy with contentment. Yeah. Happiness is still a goal. Yeah, it's like, it's Everest. Yeah. I'm climbing, right. like, I don't need to climb all, right. the, all the peaks. Sure. Contentment. Yeah. Contentment. There's yeah. a certain amount of... I'm not dis- vomiting in my own mouth right, right now. Right, right. Right, yeah. There's a certain level of disappointment that sure. I'm okay with. I don't know how I am. It's just, I'm okay. Google Heim. Yeah, Google Heim. What did we, uh, what did we learn oh, today? Oh, boy. Uh, we got a lot of stuff here. Uh, <laughs> thank, thank you for the assignment, Theater. First of all, you guys were talking about <laughs> twinning, which is the process of friends or colleagues, whatnot, wearing the, the same outfits. Yes. And, of course, uh, uh, teams <laughs> often wear uh, the same outfit for... Uh, yeah, they do. Yes, they for- do. There are reasons, though. There are actual reasons, uh, uh, one of which is encourages team unity, obviously. A unique identity for the team. Yes. Promotes a sense of belonging, Peter. Yes. And, of course, practical. Yeah, this is usually buying pit crews, circus. (laughs) Not to mention, you know, branding. Branding, branding. branding. You know. And and there's also... uh, By the way, we got a font the size of uh, the the moon. Don't interrupt David when he's talking, please. (laughs) And it's it's not just sports teams. It's not just sports teams. How about rock bands? You have Kiss, the Beatles, yeah. ABBA, Beach Boys, oh, yes. Disney Child. Kiss does not One, wear logo shirts. They don't wear logo One shirts. One Direction, yes, Run do. DMC, yes. Twisted Sister, Jonas Brothers, BTS, I think. Yes. That's a, a thing. <laughs> yes. Uh, frankly, yes. the list goes on, on and on. And on, and on, and on. It just ends in this room. <laughs> yes. And another thing. We were inquiring about how much uh, it might cost to go to Yale 100 years ago, 300 years ago. Yes, 300 years ago. 300 years ago, it's a little bit hard to determine because tuition was often paid in the form of goods and services. I was going to just, uh, as you were saying that, I was going to say it's a duck and a cracker. <laughs> two, <laughs> two chickens and a toothpick. There you go. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's up to two chickens in Ivy League school. <laughs> as of 1939, uh, which is uh, yes. basically where the uh, records go back to, it was $900 in real $1939, which uh, adjusted for inflation was 15000 a year. And just for comparison, in 2015, the tuition was $6,200 per year. And don't I know it. <laughs> well, and that's not even to mention room and board, yeah. which right. was another duck and a possum. Yeah, right. right? Exactly. It's a pudding. And, and, you know, take my shirts in. The, By the, the way, services. I wonder, too, if donors, if they would give you like a, a here, here's an ox and a cow, I want my name on that building. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Tilden Bill. Is that it, David? Guggenheim? Uh, that is it. Thank you. Thank you to Dr. Lori Santos for being here today. Thank you, our producer, Lori Krimi, David Guggenheim. If you're watching us on uh, on YouTube, please remember to subscribe and like. If you want to contact us, reallyknowreally.com is our website. And we drop new episodes every Tuesday on the iHeart app, the Apple app, or wherever you get your podcast. This was a good one. I'm happy. Other than the shirts, I'm very happy. I'm happier. That's good enough. It is good enough. See you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 
2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information what's up y'all janice torres here and i'm austin hankwitz we're the hosts of mind the business small business success stories a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's ruby studios and intuit quickbooks join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success from finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.